Gangland. Hey, I'm Amanda from Trifecta Fitness. We're proud to be Clarksville's new Get Fit headquarters. Trifecta Fitness is a state-of-the-art spin and strength training studio. Our spin studio is truly one of a kind in this area, complete with 20 state-of-the-art live fitness bikes and an incredible sound system. Our strength training is done in small groups of six or fewer, and all of our strength and spin classes are scalable for every level of experience. Come see us in the heart of Clarksville, just behind MAPCO at the corner of Old Trenton Road and Wilma Rudolph Boulevard. Call us for more info at 931-542. 6265 or download our Trifecta Fitness app for a full list of upcoming classes. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Fit Nation. We are a show founded by a veteran and hosted by two veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, Share your tips with Ms. Fiction. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on and share some of your tips with the Ms. Nation to help them become better versions of themselves. If you're a corporate leader or an entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you're a veteran, first responder, or gold star family, we would love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfit Nation. We always have time for you. If you're feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. You will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle or are embarrassed, dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell to keep you up to date with our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Heroes Media Group and About Face Radio. Now, let's get to the show. Thank you, Adam Baum, for a great set. Be safe on your ride home, and don't forget to take trash out with you. Misfit Nation, we speak every show about resilience and reaching out if you need to talk. Yesterday, around 4 a.m. Central Time, a post was made on Facebook by an amazing dude. He served in the Marines and deployed to combat with them. He physically came home. He was the owner of Detail Kings in Chicago, a retail agent and broker with Platinum Partners Realty, and a huge, huge Metallica fan. He was a Marine, a husband, and a father, and he never lacked a kind word or a smile. Or a story to share. He was one of the world's most brilliant lights. He felt the entrepreneurial spirit calling him from a young age and has been running his own business since he was only 16 years old. He owned Detail Kings. He was a proud combat action Marine veteran, and he inspected each vehicle that left his facility with a white glove inspection. He enlisted in the Marine Corps while a sophomore at Benedictine University, where he was majoring in business management and marketing. He acquired the foundational skills required to propel this business to the top of its industry while serving in the Marine Corps. 
Yesterday, his post kind of ripped a lot of people apart. I know it shocked his family to death, but his, his first paragraph is as such. Today, I am part of the 22. I have suffered from PTSD for years, and my anxiety is through the roof. I've tried to get help, but always find myself in this dark place. I haven't been able to sleep for months, and I hope this is the way to finally get some rest. He goes on to say, tell everyone he loves them, but he needed the rest, and the darkness got the best of him. So, brother, Paul Kludak, uh, we salute you, brother. We know you fought a fight. It was a long fight, and uh, we wish we could have stopped you, but we know that you had to do what you had to do to get that rest you needed. Uh, Kludak family, we're here for you. Reach out to the Misfit Nation if you need anything. In the meantime, everyone else, drink a little bit for Paul this weekend. Pour a little out for him. And you keep calling your friends. Reach out. Use your 5 to 1. Dial 988 if you're embarrassed. Don't be afraid to call somebody. People are there to help you. Don't be a statistic. We don't need any more 22s. So with that, I'll pause to remember him. Our next guest comes from us all the way from Australia. She is referred to as the deep belief hacker for high-performing, thought-changing entrepreneurs. She's that resilient lady who broke the mold of being an empath by mastering her hypersensitivities. She's navigated the two shores of calm, confident happiness by sailing through her windstorms. She's also dealt with her demons in her life as well. And she'll be able to, to feel the passion that we're, we're having here tonight. But she also is Australia's Mel B is Australia's only Scottish ex-Latin dancing Israeli street fighter. So if you if you're not pumped after hearing that, you got to get on here now and welcome Mel B to the Misfit Nation. Mel B, welcome and thanks for taking your time to wait for me to get done there and hang out now. No worries at all, and and sorry for your loss. I appreciate that. So Mel B, I just let, led you in there with some Krav Maga there and a. Uh, Latin street dancing. I mean, this is, oh my God, that's a lot of stuff in one, in one sentence, one eight word sentence there. That's amazing. And it's, I'm grateful to have you here tonight. And uh, it's awesome to connect this far apart. It's tomorrow there already. So happy Friday. <laughs> it is. It's Friday morning. So we, I gave a little bit about you there. If you don't mind, go back as far as you'd like and bring us to how we got to where we are now. Ooh. Okay. Um, it's interesting you were talking about um, sleeping, resting, the exhaustion from overwhelm. That's kind of my jam. And having gone through a few things in my life, uh, as a keynote speaker, one of the main things that we get asked to do is what are the pivotal moments in life? And I remember going through the start of that, um, and I came up with it. There's eight moments eight choices in time that maybe I wasn't suicidal each time, certainly was uh, on one of them. And so where do we build our resilience from? How do we bounce back from that moment of darkness? I don't know if I have a straight answer for that. I don't, I think anybody who claims that they do is maybe coming from just one perspective. And I, I think human psychology is so complex, it's not easy. So I want to honor 
and be respectful for those who haven't been able to see the light or see that there even is a light. So with that kind of honoring up front, I'll go back to the start of my kind of humble experience, which was, we've heard it before, the trailer park. And I actually did grow up in what, what we glamorously called a mobile home caravan park, whatever. And I grew up in a particularly, interestingly, my stepfather was ex-military as well. Uh, and we grew up in a very, very, very strict environment way too strict for children but i'm sure it's fairly common and maybe this will trigger some thoughts and thinking for people um we were he was a drill sergeant and we were definitely his cadets if you like and perfectionism was the only option and on top of that he was one of those men who preferred young girls shall we say so to say i was raised in an environment that was a little toxic, a little dysfunctional, uh, not exactly the best role model, particularly for women about men. And those years definitely affected me. And I, I remember to, uh, it was paracetamol that I turned to. And I remember, similar to your lost comrade, the darkness came in. And I took hundred at the time you could buy that many 150 paracetamol wow because i just couldn't handle it and nobody knew what was happening to me at home my mom certainly didn't know i was being bullied at school for being this angry fiery misunderstood nobody really knew me i felt honestly like a, a lone wolf that's that's one of my archetypes that i refer to is um outside the pack, isolated, in fact, chucked out, not just on my own, but literally discarded from the pack. And suicide was the way I um, turned. I did sleep well that night, but that's all that happened, thankfully. I don't know why that many tablets in a little frame of a, I don't know, 10 year old, I don't know why I didn't clock out. But obviously, I had something else to be here for. And from that early start, I turned to books. I was a bit of a bookworm and came across things like spiritual. So spirituality or faith, as um, some people prefer to call it, um, did help me understand that there's something else out there. So I didn't actually feel alone at times. I would imagine that there were angels looking over me. And that kind of exploration of books and spirituality at such a young age, because basically I had no one else to talk to, I, um, I started to think differently without knowing at the time. In hindsight, I was exploring the universe, that things were happening for me, and I became stronger as a result of things that were happening for me. I was definitely overlooked from passing over for a reason. I was meant to be here maybe today to pass this message on to someone else. Um, but how do you find the resilience to listen and to tune into and to trust that the darkness is going to pass, that this moment is not our all-defining existence? 
so that's kind of where I started in life, pretty heavy going. And I, it took me a long time to kind of evolve out. So where would you like to go next from that really deep hole I just dug? <laughs> How did you get into Latin dancing? Oh, and there's a bit. You know, yeah. Your crab macrotan. <laughs> yeah. And I love that you knew it was crab um, from Israeli street fighting. Uh, some people don't know what Krav Maga is. So, um, okay, that's a great story. And that was part of one of my moments in time. I remember seeing the movie, uh, one of J-Lo's early movies called Enough. Yes, some yes. people have heard, some haven't. You have. Yes. And it's about domestic violence, the extreme, where he was stalking her and literally trying to kill her at times. And she kept leaving. And I remember watching this movie, and it was early on in my first relationship, my first marriage, actually. Um, I say first, it sounds like I've been married many times. I've been married once. Um, and I remember watching that early on and I hadn't done any of the healing work. I'd gone to counseling a couple of times and that didn't really work. And I had a friend tell, my, tell me that I needed to love myself and that blew up in everyone's faces. And like, I'm trying to love myself by going to counseling. Whole lot of stuff that just wasn't ready for. But when I watched that movie, there was a point where she felt empowered she felt strong saying no more am I going to be a victim to this man to this set of circumstances and she learned how to do a martial art called Krav Maga and at the time I think it was evolving and kind of uh, coming out of just the military environment into mainstream so I I found somewhere this is Canberra I've been in I've emigrated from Australia for a couple of years and I, I, I want to do martial art scared witless about even doing this and very aware that it was going to be a lot of men in there so also very intimidated from that point of view but initially my ex-husband uh he joined with me so we both did it he did this to help support me because he knew a bit of my background and the need for me to take back my own power so i definitely share the tip that one way of empowering ourselves like that young man who who felt completely in the dark yesterday he's done so much and yet there's still a, a darkness that overcomes us and one of i don't know if this will work for everyone but one of the things that definitely helped me was feeling more in control in my body around my vulnerabilities which for me was against men and what happened was there were beautiful human beings. There was these big bears, a bit like yourself, these big, strong blokes who had hearts of gold, who kind of took me in like the little sister and could see my fears play out while we were boxing, while we were doing chokeholds, while we were doing restraints. And I would be overwhelmed at times, but I stuck through it because I was never going to be a victim again. So that pivotal moment when I saw the movie was, I want that kind of self-confidence about defending myself. I did it for five years. And at that time, because it was really new in Australia, I was the most advanced female in Australia. Sounds more uh, complicated. You know, it, it was just a timing thing. And it got to the point where I, I, changed a bunch of habits. I was more aware of my surroundings. I was the 
bodyguard of my girlfriends when we go out. I was the one who was looking around. I would see the fight breaking out in the club and I would herd the girls away. Like my awareness of my surroundings became so useful. And I felt like no one could mess with me. It was a fundamental turning point in my self-confidence and my awareness and empowerment. And people talk about empowerment, but I don't think they necessarily give really practical tools of what do you do with your empowerment? Right. So what? You're empowered. Then what? And integrating a martial art. I was horse riding at the time. I was also Latin dancing. I was this holistic activity and hobbies it made no sense to have all it like I was a deep animal communicator so I had such a deep awareness that opened up new hobbies and opportunities for me so Latin dancing was oh, I'm a girly girl I love love sparkles uh, and then I would go from the weekends dancing and wearing pretty sparkly dresses and high heels to groin guards and mouth guards and training three times a week I had bruises. I remember performing on stage in Latin. And we had to put makeup on because of my training. I had bruises on my shit. I've got these really skinny forearm bony bits. And I'd be doing these blocks against these guys with freaking tree trunk arms. <laughs> and that's what stopped me. Is like the, my training partner was the concreter. He was literally laying concrete. He was a, a rock. And I was like, I love you, but I can't keep training like this. This is not fun anymore. It's, every block was hurting me. So I got to the point where I went, you know what? I'm not in this for the Olympics. I now got what I need, empowerment, strength. I remember grappling and learning to feel the fear of being pinned down wrestling and how to get out of it. Yes, there were low tactics used by a girl, but... <laughs> That's the point. I felt that I know what to do. I know the vulnerable parts. I mean, we all know the vulnerable parts of a man, but being able to do that, they would wear full combat fist suits against me <laughs> by the end. And it gave me the empowerment going, if somebody tries to mug me, I will know what to do. I don't need to train anymore. And it's funny, but I still kind of put my defenses up when somebody's kind of frightens me or tries to surprise me. And I'm like, oh, Oh my God, I nearly struck you there. Don't do that to me. So there you go. Hopefully they learn and uh, don't uh, don't suddenly scare you. <laughs> don't sneak up a mail. <laughs> as soon as you brought up J-Lo, I, I thought of the scene with her uh, taping her hands with the hoodie on and uh, getting ready to train. And then, of course, when she she does beat beat him up in the house, a great movie, uh, a great show of, uh, of her showing her resilience to get away from that situation. I've been yeah. a big fan of hers ever since, and maybe that's how I got into Latin dance, and I can't remember now. Well, that would be a good a good segue to that too, because she she does do it. <laughs> yeah, Jenny from the block, so she does that stuff. I mean, you spoke about empowerment, strength, and then of course challenging fear about when you were, like you said, in chokeholds or were on the ground in some kind of any kind of hold on the ground. You guys fight or flight at that time. And you said it's a girly move to do that. If you ask nine out of ten guys who are on the ground in a situation, they're going to do the same thing. They're going to do whatever they have to to get out of that situation. So, I mean, it's a perfect thing to do. Can I interject there? Because it makes it – I made it sound like I went from starting beginner to be able to do that. And, no, there was a journey in there. Um, I would freeze. I would cry. 
I remember um, my instructor telling me how to switch on my aggression. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't understand. And I was afraid of being aggressive. We're taught as females not to be aggressive. And I remember one day, um, I don't know what triggered it. Either I've been hurt or he pissed me off. But I remember just going at the boxing bag. And then he went, there you go. There's your aggression. I went, oh, that's what you mean. And as soon as I stepped away from the bag, I was back being me again. But I was able to find that focus. So that took, I would say, six to eight months for me to not be afraid of being hard, of being aggressive in a way that is self-defensive, self-preservation. So I just wanted to kind of add that it was a journey through those five years to get to grade five a great journey and and you stuck with it a lot of people would would not stay that long especially when you're fighting training with people that are probably double maybe triple your size at that point in life so so a lot of people say no i'm good uh, this i'll just watch a couple of videos maybe or uh, I'll, I'll get out of this and find something else but kudos to you to sticking with it that's awesome thank you and uh, now you're the deep belief uh, deep belief hacker what is that <laughs> um <laughs> So along the way, um, obviously had some demons in my closet uh, subconsciously. So I was um, sexually interfered with from the age of two to 15. Wow. Uh, well, 14. I left home at 15. Um, how do I know that? I did some subconscious work. I didn't just do some. I did a lot of subconscious work. And I learned that... I went through three or four different modalities and I learned you scratch the surface and then you go deeper. The onion layer is used for a reason. And what I have learned along the way is you take one aspect out that is showing up in life in a way that you kind of don't really appreciate. And it's an awesome signpost or marker. There's something there that needs to be looked at on a subconscious level. So we kind of take that layer off. We look at that. Why am I angry? Why am I reacting to that? Why does that make me sad? Why am I being triggered in all of the different ways? Triggering isn't just anger outbursts. Trigger can be why am I emotionally being triggered? And we, we can get into the empath part separate. So the deep belief is what is the subconscious part that is anchored in? That we kind of, I, I like the analogy of a fishing hook. You kind of anchor it in and you're fighting like almighty. And sometimes you can rip the mouth to escape, but it doesn't mean that you can't get caught on it again, that you haven't learned what a fishing line is, or you've actually got the wound of escaping. If we don't address all of that and get the insights, we might just get caught on the line again. So the deep part is understanding the true roots of what's causing our unhappiness, our triggers, our issues in life, what's holding us back. And full potential is a real thing. We absolutely can have, be, do more in life. We kind of just sometimes got to take away layers to get to it. So that's what the deep belief hacking is all about. That's outstanding. A great way to look at a, look at that part of it as a uh, mentor, coach, a leader, trying to help people get through things. It's, that's something, that's a, a great analogy to do with the fish hook. I like that, to shake yourself free and then peel those layers back to the onion. 
so you can have that blooming onion and and become a more have a more purposeful life from that point forward. Uh, you said that the empath part, you wanted to get a little more into that. I know one of the people on your thing said she sailed the oceans and guide now guides and emphatic leaders to master their command, master and command their mind storms. That's a great saying right there. Let's dive into that right now. Cool. So uh, I one of the fun things, I've always been a bit of an adventure seeker. Um, one of the first things I did in my life was, I don't know if it goes around the Americas, but the tall ships race. It's held every second year, I believe, at the moment. Um, and it's the pirate ships, the tall ships wow. with the lots of rigging. And they have this competition or the sailing regatta. And you they travel around different parts. Every year it's a different course. And they travel around, certainly around Europe. And they collect different yachts to do different legs. So it's an evolving flotilla that moves through the oceans. And when I was 17, um, I, was, I had been working for BP for two years at that point, And I was asked to be the representative of a youth initiative that they were sponsoring, which was one of the yachts to go from Aberdeen, uh, from, from Scotland, across to Norway. And I was 17. Wow. So I was already a leader and I had no idea at that time. And it's a pro crew. There's five crew. And then I think there was 12 juniors. And our job was to kind of train and sail the boat across. They knew there was going to be bad weather. That bad weather was supposed to go skip round up to Greenland. No, change direction became a hurricane uh. in the middle of this race, this regatta. And uh, here are under the age of 18, 12 juniors, absolutely crapping ourselves. One had to be medivaced off because she got so seasick. Um, I didn't know what medivac was until that was an adventure, having a helicopter hovering over us in the middle of a storm. Anywho, um, and so we sailed through what now I use these analogies of our minds are like chaos, hurricanes or cyclones, whichever hemisphere you're from. And we've got to master those storms and how to navigate. How do you hold? you got to face into the storm. If you try and outrace it, it will catch you up and then you're on the tail and you're constantly in it. We have to go through it safely. You go side on. You don't if you don't hold your course you'll breach, you'll roll over, you'll capsize. So that metaphor of sailing head into a storm in order to sail through it as it comes over you, you get through it faster. So those storms need to be understood. We, we need to identify what's causing them. How do we navigate them? How do we identify them? And as an empath, what's maybe triggering and amplifying a thing I hear a lot is overwhelm, emotional overwhelm. And that comes a lot people don't realize from not knowing how they're receiving energy. So if they're in energy overwhelm, where's all this energy coming from? Often we think it's from within. That's not always the case. Nearly often we're picking up on things from external, our children, our parents, if we're carers, grandparents, 
their family members who are going through their trauma, their stuff, their mind storms. And we're taking on some of their burdens, their responsibilities, or we're putting responsibilities upon ourselves that they don't even ask for, they didn't agree to, they didn't have the expectation, but we're taking upon ourselves. We're so good at doing that. What if we shed some of that stuff and downgraded the category of storm, took some of the puff out of the, the emotional overwhelm that we're experiencing? I know there's, how do we do that? Well, we need to under, identify where and how are we picking up on other people? Because I'm going to ask you, have you ever walked into a room and looked around going, some shit has just gone down in here? Many times. <laughs> you just know something. And take up body language because that is another element. But if you everybody stood with their back to you and you'd be like, ooh, somebody's in trouble. Something's happened here. There's been conflict. We are energetic beings. This is not pseudoscience. This is not woo-woo spiritual. This is human's feel. Here's another example. Great from my Krav Maga. My comfort zone of training used to be beyond my arm. Somebody cannot stand that close within my arm. Not, that's my comfort zone right there, beyond my reach. I tell you something about Latin dancing. When you've got somebody in a hole chest to chest, you got to learn to trust yourself. You've got to learn to trust the person that you're letting into your energy field. This stuff is all in our awareness. We are energetic beings. We do know what our comfort zone is. Definitely. It's tricky to expand it or to learn what comes into it and filter it out. That's the, that's the skill and mastery of being an empath. Choosing what you let in. Definitely. You talk about the space uh, being deployed to the Middle East, especially. They are very close people. They like to talk yeah. to right in your face and we're not we're not that kind of people at all and uh, most western countries are not they're standoffish they want that space between so you can look at the whole body and see and then that's the first thing uh, when, even when you're talking to a friendly person you perceive to be friendly at least gets right in your face your first reaction is to push them off and it kind of causes that little angst where now is this person going to be an enemy because i just reacted horribly because of my cultural upbringing to do that mm -hmm. you have to learn we had to learn to let that barrier down and just just go with it and, and hope for the best at the end of it so that was a weird a weird uh, nuance for us as soldiers over there well rather than hope for the best what if you learned who you could trust from a distance yeah that would help <laughs> right in intuitive i'm sure there are instinctual moments in combat in training where you know you can just intuitively know something's about to happen yeah, you, right. you have the trust. I'm sure you are. You trained to accept your instincts. Uh, you're trained to know situations. So when those situations are not how they are trained into you, you kind of feel the difference. You know, when something's not like you said, when you walk in a room, you can feel the aura, you can feel the energy. You can feel that if you're on a mission and something's not going right. Mm. So that's interesting. You can train that. that. Right. <laughs> we can do that at a much softer, gentler level without guns. Yeah, that's true. 
so we we can learn um how with our loved ones how to with compassion and respect this is your stuff and i'm kind of putting up i like like an invisible shield bubble this is yours i don't need to carry your burdens but i'm certainly going to help you with them but i can't help you if i'm overloaded right i can't that's, carry both bags right right there's only so much and that's what causes a lot of this emotional overwhelm and leads to suicide because we just don't know how else to drop the packs, drop the burden, release the responsibilities. And be able to breathe and, and rest at the end of the day. So that, that's a big thing for a lot of people not being able to breathe and or let that thing off their chest. You know, like you said earlier about the fearing what the unknown is. If you don't if you don't think about the unknown, you can just live for now, live for now, live for today. Instead of worrying about four days from now, worry about today and let everything off your chest. Yell if you have to, scream if you have to, do what you got to do to make things better and just do the right things and do things for you and then also for those around you and everything will somehow come to the right point and work out. Hmm. What else? What else can I help your audience with? Say one of them wants to become a speaker. What's the best okay. way to do that? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, well, it's interesting. I, I actually um, host emerging speaking training and support groups. Um, how I guess it depends on one, what is it that they want to speak about? There are different styles of speaking. Um, and what is the message they want to share? So the question, do you want to be a bit more specific for me so I can give you specific answers? All right. Say they want to just tell their life story and talk about their resilience to get through things and how they they made that journey from X to X to Y to Z. Um, and so maybe it's podcasts or community groups, that sort of thing. I mean, speaking is a broad subject. Uh, going in, in front of uh, maybe schools or uh, a keynote speech or commencement speeches at like a graduation or something. Woo! That's a big difference between a local school and a commencement speech, but okay, let's, let's take that path. I'm going um, to at you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That's okay. Um, I think that the easiest thing is to find a local group. I'm all about coaches. I've invested heavily in coaches. So I find people who have done what I want to do. So there are many, many, many speaking coaches. There's a bunch of us over here in Australia. In fact, there's a global speakers network. So I'm a member of Professional Speakers Australia. There's one in Canada. There's one in Europe. There's one in America. There's Professional Speakers. And we are all part of a network. And we all commit to the same sort of, um, I guess, benchmarks of professionalism. Um, so I would definitely be looking at one of those. I've been with the PSA for five years and it took me four years of going along and seeing and learning and listening and being part of it and immersing myself. After four years, I, I remember my first time, um, after four years, I became a member, uh, as in I was qualified enough to become a member. But I remember walking in the first time so nervous. And I'm a pretty confident person, but I just feel the feels and do it anyway. And looking around and, and just seeing peers everywhere. That wasn't the case. 
That was a perception I had with my lens of I'm a newbie. So therefore, everybody else must be better than me, more experienced than me, blah, blah, blah. That wasn't the case. And I found that's the case so often in life when we are trying to do something. We're afraid because we don't want to be the bottom of the pile. I remember walking into the boxing gym and it was a full um, BJJ, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu gym. It was not your normal gym. And there was just all, there was um, two boxing rings and it was, it was overwhelming, but there were other people and it's the community or the tribe or the group, whatever language you want to use. If they're welcoming and they're supportive and they're giving of their knowledge, immerse, throw yourself in and be vulnerable. Be okay with being at the start of a new journey. It takes courage, but courage is where you get the wins, the success at the other side. So how do you start on your speaking journey? Definitely look at Toastmasters. Not really for me, um, but great from a, a starting point. And find your local professionals. And then look at finding a coach. There's multiple different entry points and price points and learnings. Just start. Just sign up for something. Maybe it's a free course, a five-day challenge. Do something and then put yourself out there. Speak for free. Absolutely get your, I don't know what the analogy would be, get your microphone dirty. I don't know. Um, go in and be prepared to be honest about your experience, but be prepared to be awkward because that's where the growth is. That's where this fulfillment comes and going, yes, I did that. I can tell you, professional speakers have been paid $50,000 for one speaking slot. Still get nervous, still worry about getting it wrong, still have tech concerns. All of those things are normal. So don't let them stop you even starting. Awesome. Outstanding advice. And you've also, I mean, not, not that we've piled on a lot of stuff, but you've also been published in, in many magazines in uh, digital formats, 36 and then seven magazine features. How did that feel and how did you get into that, that side of it? Hmm, you, you've been stalking me. Um, a little bit. <laughs> I, um, I love your background research. I respect that. Um, so I remember going along to a workshop and the lady was talking about how to apply for awards. I remember sitting there in the audience going, am I allowed to swear? But this is a bunch of idiot stuff, a bunch of wankers. I'm like, awards are for wankers. That's what I thought. Um, but I, I was curious about it to see what it was about. And, and they held one trophy up and I went, my self-competitive person nature kind of likes that little validation thing. Okay. Even if it is for wankers, maybe it'll help my business. Right. So... I started applying and my advice, if you want to apply for awards, is start documenting your wins along the way. Look up an award that you might want to apply for in a year's time, see what the criteria are and start gathering that evidence now because it was really, my first one was so hard to do because you had to go back a year and track all the things that you could use as evidence of your success. So, Start early, 
documenting. Now I have spreadsheets of everything and that's why I have some numbers of what I've done. And then from there, you can use that little, maybe you just get a finalist. Finally, you get a finalist position. I think I did four and then my fourth one, I got finalist. I didn't get anything in the first few. And then you use that one and you write an article and then you submit it to one of these publications that are always looking for content. Over here, we have help out a reporter service or source bottle, S-O-U-R-C-E. And it's journalists and writers and bloggers that are looking for content, free. So I submitted, I made a finalist in this category and this is the accomplishments and it got published. And so from there, I just continued, right, okay, rinse and repeat. Somehow that worked. Let's try that again. Another award. I had a few more rungs under my belt. Then I had the past award and then the media exposure. And you start using that as your evidence and you just grow. And I, I made a goal to win at least a placement every year. So a finalist position every year. And then last year I won my most proud. Well, I've had two proud ones, but last year was international coach of the year. And that, that's, that was my first one. I won outright. But that took seven years. Wow. Constantly Resilient. doing it. Yeah. yeah, just constantly plugging away. Um, and the other one I'm really proud of was uh, 2019, right before COVID in December. Um, I submitted to be listed as one of the top 10 energy healers globally, worldwide. And I was like, this is a big category. But what I found is not heaps of people apply for these things. There might be a couple of hundred people that you're competing, or I think one is a thousand. You know, it's different every time. You've got to be in it to win it. If you're not even submitting, you're never going to win. Exactly. But you learn, and sometimes you get feedback. You, This was good. This was good. You just need a bit more evidence in this space. And like, okay, I'm going to focus on getting some more wins in that area. So it's plugging away and just chipping away and – why is it important for business? How do you stand out against, I don't like the term competitors, but about other people in your industry? If you've got one with exactly the same bio as you, I know who I would pick. And they're the kind of people that I want to work with, ambitious people who are going after stuff, who take action. They might be more drawn to me having a couple of awards and categories under my belt. So those that it's good for my business. Definitely. And, and while stopping you, I've seen you were in Disrupt Magazine. I thought it was a cool name. So I, I read your article there and I have submitted an article to them now too. So. <laughs> Yay. And that's cool. That's the ripple effect. I love that. I just thought it was a cool name. It's like, I got to go with this magazine. Misfit Nation, Disrupt, it works. And it's all great. Yes. Disrupt was one of my first ones. See that? It's going to be one of mine, too. <laughs> there you go. I love awesome. that. And uh, how does someone get in contact with you to get some of your advice or pick your brain like I just did for the last uh, 44 minutes? <laughs> um, the easiest way. This, so I've got a bunch of resources. So one of my things is about giving back. When I was 15, I moved out of home. And I had, I've never once been given a dollar of support financially. So having access to free resources is actually a big value of mine. So on my website, I have a bunch of stuff. Um, so it's Melby, M-E-L-L. -L, so I'm Melby with two L's, 
Uh, balance too hard to spell. So I've just kind of simplified it. It's complicated with two mail with two L's. So melb.com forward slash resources. I can't make it any simpler than that. In there, you can, that's my whole website. A bunch of stuff. There's quizzes, there's free, um, free resources. You can get to my blogs. At the bottom is my so, uh, no, somewhere on the page, there's a contact page. In there is all of my socials. That's way easier. Just go to my website, have a look around, poke around, get some free stuff. And if, if you feel inclined, have a chat. Again, one of my values is helping people who need it. And if a 20 minute can have a massive turnaround and breakthrough, that's my contribution to humanity. It's how I serve. So this is not a sales pitch. It's not an option to try and sell you something. No, if somebody needs a chat, book in. Let me see if I can help you find a light in your darkness. Outstanding. Thank you, Mel B. And uh, if someone else was stalking you too, they researched you. And right away they found out that you live on, the name of your street you live on now is the same street I grew up on in Jersey City. So it's amazing. <laughs> well, that's bizarre. Yeah. That's How do you know where I live? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's I why don't I didn't say the name. With that information. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I didn't. Reinf put it up. Reinforce it. I know Krav Maga. Thanks again for taking some of your time today for you and uh, well, in the future. So <laughs> you're in the future. You were in the past now. So uh, everyone, uh, let's uh, give uh, Mel B a round of applause and thank you for being here with us. <laughs> and we appreciate everything you did tonight uh, talking with us and uh, getting us through a pretty rough week and uh, I think you, you pumped us up a little more uh, I, I'm, it's a privilege thank you thank you and have a good rest of your day there thank you see you all later bye thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com it's themisfitnation.com to catch up on all of our episodes and also to get some of that great Misfit Nation gear as always, be humble stay hungry and keep hustling because we are 